Fun Belt Podcast. Guys, it was a great, great weekend this past weekend, mostly because Coastal Carolina proved us all wrong and got a win on the road in Atlanta. They woke Isn't that what up. You thought I was going to say? Uh, you know what? I kind of thought maybe you were going to lean towards another game that's a little more, that's a little closer to your heart. But you know what? I, I kind of like this, this sort of, uh, you know, ambivalent, uh, agnostic version of Tibbs, just sort of looking at the Sun Belt as a whole and seeing good in places that normally you wouldn't see it. So good for you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You're, you've become mature. You're a mature man. I appreciate that. You know what was even better than that? What's South that? Alabama beats Louisiana Tech, and Tech had four interceptions. Jags hold the dogs to only 57 yards rushing. Is that better? Is that what you wanted? There's the old pettiness that I yeah. like from Tibbs, the the, the 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 seething hatred for Louisiana Tech, finally bubbling to the surface. That's what I was waiting for. And, yes, that, that was, was the only thing that happened win. in Louisiana, right? That was it. Well, that was actually in Mobile, but yeah, yeah, that's that's that it. Was the news, right. That was the news out of Louisiana this weekend, I believe. Great show. We'll we'll do it again next week. <laughs> Close it off. It's gone off the rails. The so other big no, game. What? Hmm? The other big game to me that was the biggest surprise, honestly, over the weekend was Southern Miss going to Tulane and getting that win and breaking the bell. Jeremy, that's why we can't have a nice rivalry trophy. <laughs> I didn't even know the bell was broken, but I do know that that was a great win for Southern Miss, but also a great win for the Sun Belt. I mean, it's always good to grab one from the AAC. And Tulane, Tulane's not a bad team. Tulane was coming in hot. So great win for Will Hall, first-year head coach. Congratulations. I, I'm sorry to hear about the bell. What happened to the bell? I don't know. The damn Southern Miss people were so excited they broke it. Jeez. You know, that's why you can't have nice things in, in Hadesburg. There's always just some rowdy hillbilly out there breaking bells. Just keep bells away from those guys from now on. You've lost your bell privileges, Hattiesburg. I forget the name of the trophy for Auburn, Alabama, but I can assure you that it is held together by duct tape. <laughs> hey, was there another big game? I don't, I don't know. Something that happened on the East Coast, something that looked like it was going one way, Shane. And you had me thinking, all right, well, this is kind of how it was supposed to happen. And then yeah, something I, totally different happened. Yeah, it was yeah. Old Dominion 29, Arkansas State 26. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once again, Arkansas State had a fourth quarter lead. Let it slip away. Arkansas State quite legitimately should be three and one right now after allowing two fourth quarter leads slip away. But, hey, hey you know what? That's how it goes. That's how it goes in the Sun Belt. So really, that's all that happened this week, right? There's the Southern Miss, there's um, Old Dominion, uh, there's uh, South Alabama. Was there something oh, else? Oh. Something else? Oh, you know, you know. Here's another thing. Here's a cautionary tale about beating a top ten team and then maybe not focusing for your opponents coming up. And that's Marshall. What the hell is happening to Marshall right now? I mean, is there a curse for beating Notre Dame? Is it the Notre Dame curse? Oh, oh my God, what's happening to the herd? That is a big question. I haven't really gotten a chance to watch those games with Marshall, but fairly shocking that they lost two in a row, yeah, especially I mean, the Bowling Green game. I, I'm not that surprised that they had trouble with Troy, but 
you kind of wonder when's Marshall going to come back to what we thought they were going to be. Marshall, after Notre Dame, we're like, oh, wow, they're the power in the East. Those guys are going to come just waltzing through. There's no stopping the thundering herd. Now we got, uh, you know, the, the West earning a, a win from the East, thanks to Troy. And then that Bowling Green thing, you're right. I, I can't really pinpoint it. It, it. The defense seems fine with the herd. That offense doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Don't discount the Trojans and Gunnar Watson, Carlton yeah. Marshall getting the Sunbelt Conference career tackling record. And he's only 71 away from breaking the NCAA record. Don't discount the Trojans. Carlton Marshall is the real deal. I'm not sold on Gunnar Watson. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I feel like he's still trying to, to have a really great game to make things uh, interesting. But I will tell you what, that Troy defense, that's tough. Wait, you're not sold on Gunnar Watson, but you are sold on a quarterback whose name you don't even know and a team that surrendered 29 second-half points. No, who, who? What are you talking about? You're, you're, you're Red Wolves. <laughs> uh, are you, what are you implying? That I'm sold on uh, James Blackman? Oh, James Blackman, because I forgot his name at the Sunbelt Media Days. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm still 100% behind James Blackman. Uh, I, I think he's going to have some, some, some good games. Maybe, maybe hasn't had his best game yet. But uh, hey, maybe we should talk about uh, uh, the Battle of the Chandlers. No, no, no. All right. Not even worth discussing. I, why, after all of the shit that was talked on Twitter, on podcasts, in interviews, yeah, okay, should we give them the time of day to let them stoke over them living in the past of 2020 with a team that quit? And so it was like an inner squad scrimmage. Wow. And forgetting that it's 2022 and a completely new team. This is forgetting really that hard. last year you only won the game by six points. Oh my God. And had to hold on for that win. <laughs> Let's not worry about that. Oh, nice comeback. Come from behind win. What do we even know about the Warhawks? They get completely blown out by Texas, completely blown out by Alabama. We don't really no, know. Who. I would not say completely blown out by Texas. I would say it got beat by Texas. Got soundly defeated by Texas. How's about that? I mean, 55 to 10, that's mm, that's pretty good beating. We had that conversation back then, Jeremy. Don't live in the past. That's right. Don't live in the past. What I'm saying is you just don't know really who the real Warhawks are. You because... will find out this week when we snap. Oh. I'll tell you our twenty-one year drought in Jonesboro. <laughs> All right, we'll talk I'll about tell that. Tell you later. who the real Warhawks are. What? I'll tell Jane? you who the real Warhawks are. They are a great team to watch on your phone when you're sitting in the passenger seat of a car, <laughs> driving across the border from North Carolina to Virginia in the middle of the night on the now, East Coast. It was the middle of the night. Now, why were you in your car for that? Uh, I went to go see the leaves in Boone. Hmm. Yeah, up in the mountains, seeing the leaves change. That Were you just there for the fall foliage, or was something else happened? Something so extraordinary that it has opened wide the doors of perception to the sun belt and the eastern race. <laughs> and the eastern race. Yes. Can, can you explain what the hell happened in Boone? 
with James Madison. We saw the best and the worst of both teams from JMU and App State Ooh. in that game at different times. Um, and it wound up being the JMU got a little more of their best and came out on top. I wouldn't say either team played all that great at times and but it ended up being like a really entertaining game and it kind of yeah it really opened some eyes as to maybe what's going on in the east it's it's going to be wild the dukes shut out appalachian state in boone for the second half that doesn't ever happen that was crazy jamie's defense looks pretty incredible here to start the season i mean even i don't know exactly what happens during the second quarter when App State put up 28 points in the second quarter, all 28 of their points yeah. in the second quarter. But once Jamie started getting some pressure on Chase Bryce, it was a completely different story. Well, was- I tell you, I'll tell you what, Shane, I was pretty smug with myself when I saw the halftime score. I was, I was like, yes, yes, we got JMU and they've had a couple of good games, but they're, they're still they they still have some time to catch up to the Sun Belt Heat, right? They they I, they need they they're going to need a couple years to to really ingrain themselves in the conference. And they need to take out Appalachian State. That's nuts. It, it was yeah, it was it was pretty incredible to see, and it was really like just it was a slow burn in that second half. It really wasn't until the late interception. That it dawned on me that JMU was going to win that game. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you know, it was like okay, they, it was like okay, they made it respectable now, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, Jamie's actually going to win. I don't think Appalachian State ever really thought they were going to lose the game. I think that even with one minute left on the clock, they're like, wait, oh my god, this is really happening. You know, it just it, it, I don't think they even saw saw and, and that. So, when when you look at that, though, Jeremy, sorry, I didn't mean to walk all over your your. Uh, hey, whatever. You just go ahead, steal my thunder, walk on my moment. You go ahead. Hey, it's it's game week. I'm allowed to walk all over your your Red Wolves. <laughs> See, I'm stoking that rivalry. How about that? We'll talk rivalries later on. Yeah, when we get to that game later, I will not say a word. That's just you two. It's just us screaming at each other. It's, it's... There goes trying to keep the episode short. <laughs> but, well, speaking uh, of short... My... My, my my question for you, oh, though. Okay. My right. question for you, though. All right. Was JMU that much better? Was JMU better than App on Saturday? Is App State done and overrated, or did App State just overlook JMU? There might be combinations of things. I think. I think JMU is better than anybody thought. When you start looking at. I agree with that. The way they are, the way they play on both lines, that they're going to be tough to beat this year. I'm not saying they won't get beat this year, but they're going to be tough for teams to beat because they're so good on both the offensive and defensive lines. It's just going to be really tough to to stop them at times. I think that we underestimated JMU, and I think that we should have remembered Georgia Southern and how they came in, ran straight through the league, not eligible for the title, but still able to claim it outright for the regular season yeah. and just not go into the postseason. We should have remembered that and, and known that JMU was just going to come in and, and run over everybody. Well, I said at the beginning of the season, though, 2014 Sunbelt is not the same as 2022 Sunbelt. 
Yeah. Jamie, like, I mean, Jamie still has a lot of good teams to play, but no, we, we live in the past around here, Shane. Okay. Oh yeah. I, okay. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I think that's maybe even what's most impressive is as, as impressive as it was for Georgia Southern to come in and win the league right away, they won the worst conference in the country at the time. And the Sun Belt's a long ways from being the worst at this point. And that's second, maybe second to worst. I, I, I would still put them ahead of the Mac. <laughs> that, that's, that's what's uh, most surprising to me. Houston Baptist Christian University traveling to San Marcos and getting shut out. I don't think anybody was surprised by that at all. I do think that it was a little surprising, quite honestly, that the Bobcat defense surrendered 142 yards. I really thought they were going to keep it under 100. Uh, you know, I, 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 don't know I, I don't know anything about Houston Christian University. Uh, I know that they're probably not a very great football team. I do know that Texas State really needed that boost to see Lane Hatcher throw a bunch of touchdowns, to see the defense shut down an offense. I think the fans really need to see that. I'm seeing a little moxie now amongst some of the Texas State faithful online, uh, and I think they just kind of needed that, Tibbs. Uh, you know, you beat FIU and you think, okay, FIU – you see that they get beat 73 to zero in week four. So you now you know that that FIU game wasn't exactly a marquee win. You beat the FCS team. It takes care of business. You feel like you've been reset, recharged. Now you get JMU, which is probably a huge order. But that seems like the kind of game Texas State ends up winning, right? Yeah, I mean, crazier things have happened. Uh, yeah. I would definitely have liked to have this game in San Marcos to be able to give the Bobcats a little bit more of an edge. But, yeah, it's, it's a tall order, but it, it is what it is. It's part of the Sun Belt. It's what the Sun Belt's become and, and a game that they're going to have to win if they ever want to compete in the belt. Absolutely. Okay, we got a guest in the green room, and you're not going to believe who it is because it's somebody that we've had wanted for a long time. Our schedules kind of get crossed. We couldn't get him in. Now he's in, eating our Cheetos, drinking our beer. Tibbs, do you know who this guy is? Can you take a guess? Ronaldo. No, Shane. I need a guess from a guess from you. Um, Conan O'Brien. No, it's none of those things. But it's like the Conan O'Brien of the Sun Belt. That's that's actually a pretty good guess. He is a host of the Win Now or Get Bent podcast, a podcast that's it's not a rival of ours. It's it's sort of more of a contemporary. They cover Texas State Bobcats. Kev Shardillo is. On the show, he's going to talk a little bit, I hope, about laying uh, – uh, <laughs> Oh, God. He, he I can't even say the name. I can't do it. It, it was such a it's, – it's such a bummer. But we're going to talk a little bit about the man who shall not be named. We're going to talk a little bit about the big win that occurred over this weekend. And we're going to talk about the future of the bo- Bobcats. Keith, welcome to the show. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you. And it's a huge letdown after Ronaldo and Conan O'Brien. No. And, now, and now it's just me. Sorry, everybody. What but, would we talk to Geraldo about? I mean, <laughs> I mean we, I, wouldn't, I think, we wouldn't have I, anything to say. He's, he knows he knows the belt. Everybody knows the belt these days. <laughs> that's everybody absolutely, does. Absolutely right. And that's actually a good question to, to, to start with. You know, with the, uh, with the Sun Belt expanding to 14 teams, 
you know, guys like Arkansas State and Texas State, in a way, were kind of shut out of the rivalry angle. You know, everybody seemed to get new rivals and everybody's kind of chumming up and, and pointing fingers and, and burning effigies. But we're still just kind of on our own. What do you think about that? I, I You know, I, I'm here for it. I, I'm here for I think I know where you're going with this, Jeremy, is that Texas State and Arkansas State are kind of natural rivals now. Ooh, are they? You yeah. know? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, Texas State's on an island. Arkansas State's on an island. You know, Little Rock's yeah. out now. I mean, uh-huh. there, there's the rivalry right there. I see. But. I, hadn't even, I hadn't even thought of that, but I think you're right. I think there should be a deeper rivalry between the two. That's actually something I've been trying to gin up for the last, I don't know, two or three years, this big Bobcat versus uh, uh, Red Wolves rivalry. And it, it hasn't quite materialized except – Maybe this year I'm finally beginning to feel some heat, especially with Lane Hatcher going to the Bobcats. And also uh, uh, Lincoln Perry has gone to the Bobcats. So there's a sort of a, a we took your stuff mentality going on between the two. But other than that, how have you liked the way the season has shaped so far? I know there's been a little bit of disappointment, but maybe things are back on track. And even a little deeper level of what you were saying before, the school president now was was Arkansas State's former chancellor. You got to Kelly Dab Danforth. Yes. <laughs> no, but for, see, I'm sorry. Ahead. I see you've got Kelly riding on a motorcycle out in the football field <laughs> and, and 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 creating all sorts of havoc. That's Kelly. You're going to love him. He is high energy guy. The students are going to think he's great. Uh, congratulations. I'm glad you guys got him. Uh, but we're going to miss him. Yes, I will admit that. It's interesting. Since he did that, it sent a precedent. Now they had Boko, the mascot, ride out on the motorcycle. And I, I keep filming it because it's going to go viral when somebody falls off that bike. I mean, and, and I'm there ready for it if they're going to keep yeah. having celebrity guests. Make sure that you have your insurance premiums updated because I would hate <laughs> for the Bobcats to be upended by a, a, a big insur- or non-insurance settlement. But, you know, okay, so the, the season has started a little bit rough. Uh, with the Bobcats, mm-hmm. uh, the Bobcats are, are notoriously slow starters anyway, right? But they they have the FCS matchup this week. They things seem to be on track. I know Lane Hatcher had a big game. It was de- definitely needed. How do how does the team feel moving forward to you? Yeah, well, uh, slow starters and and slow finishers, honestly, is as recent for the Bobcats. That that game, you know, thirty four to nothing win. Seems like a big win, especially the shutout. That's always a, a good thing for a team. But they were up 24-0 at halftime. They came out really lackluster in, in the second half. They didn't actually score another touchdown until the, the like 46 seconds left in the game, garbage time touchdown. So that, that's kind of been uh, their theme this early this season is those second half. Uh, they just They seem to sputter. They start really hot. And then they sputter in the second half. And, that, and that's been a point of emphasis when talking to Spavadol, especially with a big opponent like JMU this week. I mean, they're 20-point underdogs going into it, playing them at home, sold out. And, and as, as far as I know, it's 25,000 people are going to be there. Um, it, it's a pretty big game coming up this week for, for the Bobcats and, and showing if they can't have that consistency of first half to second half. But it's a, it's a pretty pretty big opponent for them. And and. Things have, have looked good on defense. They have not been consistent on offense as much as we've talked about the man who shall not be named. I'm going to name him, though, Lane, Lane Hatcher. No! He's, uh, <laughs> he's progressed a little bit each game. It hasn't been a, a lights-out game. Obviously, the, the scale of the opponent this past week 
his his numbers were pretty inflated, but it uh it, it's been it's been a, some slow growth with him at quarterback for the Bobcats and with the offense in general. I mean, Spavadol, this offense coordinator Jacob Peeler leaves to go be the wide receiver coach at Missouri, and he doesn't hire another offense coordinator. He just says, "Well, I'm the offense coordinator." And the head coach, it's kind of an interesting situation there as far as that goes. And it's been slow for the offense. But, you know, when you talk to the coach, you talk to Hatcher, they're saying that they're feeling good. The chemistry's there. They say all, all, the, all that cliche stuff. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Big test this week, JMU, what is it, number three defense in the country. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be a tough go for them this week. I thought Trayvon oh, was it this past week, FCS game. They changed their name midweek. Yeah. <laughs> How many times did you say Houston Baptist? You know, I, I did so well until the post-game press conference, and it was like my second <laughs> question. I said Houston Baptist to Coach Spavadol, and I was just like, ah, there. It's finally slipped out. But I was doing so well. Houston Christian, HCU, all that stuff, you know, I mean – I don't know what was up with that, just separating themselves from the Baptist church, but I, I don't know why they didn't do that before the season or after the season. They decided three weeks in, like, hey, we're, we're Houston Christian now. But I think they, they just they wanted the, the the latch onto that halo effect of having played Texas State and then say, this is the time to announce it, or that's going to be the best time. Maybe hoping that <laughs> that some some something spiritual would happen that would lead to a, an upset of Texas State. But speaking of upsets, you guys are a 22 and a half point underdog to James Madison. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that spread? Uh, I, I honestly, I think it could have been higher for, for James Madison. I think 22 and a half is, is pretty generous. I think that, that a lot of people are shocked by how well JMU has done jumping from to FBS and they weren't paying attention when they were in FCS. I mean, this is uh been a really good program. They've got a, a lot of support financially and from the fan base and everything. So them uh, them making this transition so well so quickly, it's that part might be shocking how 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 good they do look, especially with with this past weekend with that win that they got. Um, but I think it's 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 a really good program. I think it's a really good addition to the Sun Belt. I think it's just going to make it stronger. But for the Bobcats this week, it's it's. It's going to be tough. I mean, because one thing that they have done pretty well so far is is play the pass, but JMU is a running team. And I mean, I think they've most of the touchdowns the Bobcats have allowed have been on the ground. And so they've got a lot of good running backs for JMU. And so that's that's going to be a tough one for sure. Hey, you mentioned defense being a strength. Kurt Signetti said the same thing in his press conference today at JMU. It's looking like it's going to be wet weather everywhere on the East Coast. Yeah. Maybe not quite so bad here on this side of the mountains, but it's, it's probably going to be raining during the game. Do you think that's going to slow down both offenses to the point where maybe this is one that kind of gets ground out in the end? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're a gambler man, take the under in that one for sure. But I, I think that actually benefits JMU more than it does Texas State. Texas State is pretty reliant on, on their – passing game you know Spavadol is known as the air raid guy and he he's gotten it down to a pretty good even split this season with the pass and the run but it's still the the way this the strength of the offense is is through the air so if it gets pretty rainy they have a lot a lot of backs you mentioned Lincoln Perry at the beginning of of the intro they've got Calvin Hill Jamel Jeter's Oklahoma State transfer 
Um, but they just they don't really seem to have that type of offense that that if they have to go with the run, they're they're gonna be in some trouble. They don't have like a true fullback or even really like a true blocking tight end. Even this past week, they for the first time this season, they implemented a defensive lineman named Jamar Daniels. They put him at like this fullback, halfback type spot on fourth down so he could kind of block and make a hole just to make up for the deficiencies of, of their blocking scheme when they run the ball. Um, so it's, it's, I think if it is bad weather, even Spavlo brought that up too today about the weather and, and how it's probably going to rain this weekend in, in Virginia. Um, but yeah, I, they say he said he's prepared for it and all of that. But as when I, my assessment of the offense this early this season is uh, it, it's not great for them. If it's a rainy, wet day, I mean, especially for Hatcher, it's it's not going to be great. So everybody seems to think that this is it for Spav. What's, what's your take on that? And, and what do you think it takes for him to hang around for another year of leading the Bobcats or even for the Don to make a mid midseason move? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't count on a midseason move unless it's like a lot of lopsided losses in a row. I, I think they're pretty set on on letting him finish out the year. But he he will have to go six and six bowl game to even consider getting that extension because it is the second to last year of his contract. So you can't go in with uh, one year left on it. I mean, how are you going to recruit anybody or anything? So they would either have to extend him or move on from him. But this is absolutely a make or break year. I mean, at a lot of other schools, you wouldn't have gotten the fourth year after those first three years. I mean, three wins, two wins, and four wins wouldn't wouldn't usually cut it. Uh, he's get, they're going to have to upset some people to to get four more wins and get to that bowl game. It's not insurmountable, but it has it has to happen. I, I really do. I, I think five, four wins. They're going to have to move on, especially with with we were talking about Kelly Dampus in there at president. He seems to he said it publicly a few times where if the if things aren't going right, changes will be made. So I, I, I don't think they would shy away from from making a move. But, you know, it's it's not it's not he's not dead in the water yet. You know, it still has to to prove himself a few more conference games to get there. But it, it's not looking great uh, as far as um, um the future, you know, he's not going to get an extension right now after going two and two non-conference without that true signature win. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say he's, he's absolutely playing for his job this year. How good of a job is Texas state if they move on and make a change? There was a lot made in the preseason about, you know, no indoor practice facility and stuff, but I saw that in the national, I think it was the athletic wrote about that, mm-hmm. but it seems like location is good. People rave about the campus and the, stadium and everything how good of a job is it for somebody coming in there you know it's as far as the facilities and all of that it's one of the lower lower ones in the sunbelt i mean this this is a team that uh and you're talking about the article from sam Kahn that came out in the athletic um this this is a team that goes to the local high school here san marcus high school because they have an indoor stadium i mean this is this is texas where football is is basically a religion where high schools have nicer facilities. I'll, I'll go cover their games and their press box kind of puts the Bobcats one to shame. And it just shows that, and that's not even the weight room. The weight room doesn't have enough racks and lots of, lots of uh, deficiencies in, with the facilities that need to be upgraded. It was like when, when the Bobcats moved to FBS 10 years ago, 
they just kind of rested on the, their laurels. Like, all right, we did it. We're here. Now the wins will just naturally come without truly putting the support that was needed into the program to grow it and take it to this level. I mean, a, a team to look at would be like UTSA right down the road in San Antonio. They didn't even have a football program until 10 years ago. They, they incepted one and they have surpassed Texas State. I mean, but with, with their facilities, that they still need to upgrade some stuff there. But as far as everything that they've done, that they've pushed into the program marketing and and doing things to to be an actually a, a successful FBS program, um, it's something that Texas State hasn't done. Now, there has been administrative changes that seemingly on the surface level, it's like, okay, this should mean that things are going to change around here. The longtime AD, Larry Tice, he was the AD there from 2003 until last year. Uh-huh. He's been out and he's been kind of known as, as a guy who was uh, uh, not very active in his job. And then the school president, Denise Troth, she was really good on the academic side for the university, but not really the athletic side. And now they're both out. And now they've they got Don Coriel there at AD. They've got Dampus there at president. And they both seem to um, understand the importance of athletics and how it's the front lawn of your university. It's what everybody sees. So you really have to keep it clean and everything and, and, and a quality product to put out there for, for people to see. Uh, and maybe that would be attractive to a candidate looking at the new leadership and everything and saying, oh, OK, maybe these guys are, are going to change it. But that's a lot of what ifs. And if they're just looking at uh, just the way the facilities are and everything like that, it's 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 not a it's not the most ideal job. I, I wouldn't even say it's it's top five in the Sun Belt if it were to come available. Um, it should be one, though, be where it is as far as in uh, um, the location. San Marcos is, you know, it's a nice thriving town in between Austin and San Antonio. Um, you know, you got 30 minutes away from each of those. You've got a hotbed of recruiting as far as, as, as Texas high schools all around. It should it should be elevated more than it is. And it, it just hasn't gotten there yet. But, you know, if it's if it's a candidate that's looking at a place like, hey, I can be the guy to come in there and turn this around and be the man. That's what it would really take. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't I don't think it's the most ideal job if you don't know much about the situation in and out with 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 the uh, the new leaders at the helm. But, you know, I mean, you were just talking about Danfis. I think he, he's going to do some great things. And he talks a lot about it and ready to, to see it put into to fruition, you know, but that'll, that'll take some time. So we have ULM head coach Keith Richard coming up here in just a little bit. Texas state, they're, they're the Kings of the West Kings of the Sun Belt when it comes to basketball, how has coach TJ been able to really capitalize on all that to be as successful as he has been? Yeah, great. I'm glad we transitioned basketball. This is, this is much more positive. <laughs> no coach Terrence Johnson. Um, it's so interesting how he came to be the coach after Casper was fired for those racially insensitive remarks he made. There was the whole investigation. They make TJ the, the interim coach and they win the regular season Sunbelt, give him the extension. And, and, uh, and, you know, it's been roses ever since for him Um, with him, with he, he was able, he inherited a really good team from Casper. So that was one way he was able to have instant success um, and he was able to keep those guys and bring in some new ones, bring in some size, especially this season. They're, they're going to have a, a lot um, more size, even though they lost Caleb Asbury. He went to Oklahoma State. That was probably their best scorer. 
So that's a pretty big loss. We got Mason Harrell coming back, really good point guard. Um, so it, it's it's uh, he's he's very much a player's coach. They love him. He's he's a younger guy, like thirty nine, something like okay. that, and so he's able to really get along with them and, and, and curate this 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 culture that makes them want to be around. And he even talked about when he took over, uh, and there was a lot of you know obvious infighting and turmoil uh, with with their coach being let go over you know a, such a controversial topic. And he actually brought he stopped didn't play basketball for three days with them. Every practice they'd come in and they would actually talk to like counselors and mental health professionals and really get it out. And, and uh, it, it's kind of a, a, a modern approach to it instead of like, Hey, let's, let's sweat it out. Let's just run until we don't have feelings anymore. He was let's stop and talk about it. And I just think that speaks to the the kind of coach that he is. He had some letdowns in the tournament though. So he's, you know, there's some of that. They they would win the regular season. They'd go to tournament and, and fell on their face twice. So they've got to close it out. Yeah. About, yeah. You know, here's something that kind of surprises me is when we talk about Texas State, you know, it always drifts first to football. We talk about some of the struggles that have happened with that Bobcats program. But then the rest of the athletic program seems to be in great shape. I mean, the, the volleyball team's always good. The basketball team is always good. Soccer, of course. Soccer is always good. So everything in San Marcos seems to be good, except for that the the baseball has been really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everything's really good, except the, then there's this sort of dark cloud over football. How do you transition all that good stuff that's coming from the rest of the athletic program and try to move it into the football? Yeah, you know, football, it, it's so big. It's, it's just such a different animal than those other sports. And I, I think it was – treated for a while like it was those other sports when it needs a lot more a lot a lot more and i i think that that's from talking to everybody people that work at the school it seems like that that mindset has shifted to to yeah okay we we do because before it was people would say hey the football team sucks and they'd go but what about volleyball and it's like volleyball is not on espn i mean they're on espn plus but they're not it's not on not on ESPN. It's not what everybody sees. Everybody sees football. So I, I think that's 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 really what it's going to have to change is, is administrative support and people really really uh, who are inside there to getting behind it and, and infusing it with everything it needs, which is money really. So speaking of of, of the Sun Belt and, and putting it all together, let's do let's let's pull out a little bit. Who has surprised you this summer? We know JMU has been surprising because we just didn't know what to expect from them. Who else is surprising you? Let's start in the in the in the in the West, which which seems to be just as entertaining as the East lately. Who do you see in the West that surprised you so far? I mean, you know, right off the bat, ULM with their with, they beat uh, they just <laughs> beat Louisiana. Got to hand that to them. I mean, that was a pretty good one. Um, I wouldn't say Southern Miss is surprising either, but they're surprising the last couple of weeks with that win over Tulane. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, they seem like a, a new team after from the beginning of the season. Um, I love hearing Will Hall too. I mean, I could listen to any one of his press conferences, but that's, that's a fun guy. It seems like a fun person to interview. Um, but yeah, the, the West, it, it seems pretty open. And I guess surprising in the other way is Louisiana, and how I, I thought they were really, I thought they were, they were going to run away with with the West, and you know they're they've made it more competitive with dropping a couple games. But, yeah, I think the opinion here at Fun Belt Podcast was 
was that even though they're the defending champions, they had lost so much uh, with Napier leaving for mm-hmm. Florida. A lot of guys followed them out, not even necessarily to Florida, just left. So, yeah, I feel like the, the, the West is wide open, even for guys like the Red Wolves and the Bobcats to make some noise. What about the East? I know we're creatures of the West, but what are you looking at? First of all, I guess you're going to get a taste of the East when the Dukes come or when you visit the Dukes. What do you think of the East in general? Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting to see Coastal um, still yeah. still churning it out 4-0. I thought they were going to have some sort of drop-off, but, you know, Jamie Chadwell is really getting it right there. Um, I'm surprised at Georgia State, how they're 0-4. I mean, you know, it's a pretty yeah. tough first four games for them, but it's I, I thought they would have snuck one or two out in there. Um, so that one is is – pretty surprising to me but it's that's a it's a competitive conference just because coastal's on top of it i mean jmu's right there old dominion's looking good of course there's app state that you know they're they're doing their thing um it's uh it's it's an interesting it's an interesting division in the conference for sure as far as who's going to take it i I really i I couldn't tell you i mean coastal sitting on top seems like the easy answer but app state could just as easily go on a run i mean there's too much entropy how could uh-huh. we possibly know right now? It's crazy. Plus is minus. Minus is plus. We know nothing and we know everything. It's just kind of crazy how this landscape's going. Please, Absolutely. somebody talk me off the ledge. No, no push. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of sports, though. I mean, it was, you know, you go into, you're in fall camp and you have all these ideas and you think you know exactly how it's going to play out and it just, has not played out that way at all. Oh, no, we're so smug in Sunbelt Media Days. Oh, we know what's going to happen. We know nothing, Tibbs. (laughs) Jay, you're the the legitimate reporter here working for the newspaper. How come you don't know anything? Because I don't. I just, it's just me. (laughs) You know me well enough to know I don't know anything. (laughs) We brought you here for legitimacy, and we're still all fools. We can't predict anything. Our crystal balls are broken. We have no idea what's going to happen. So, Kev, uh, later in the show, we'll have our second short segment where we kind of break down the upcoming games. Tell us, what what do you see happening this upcoming week, JMU and Texas State? We want to know. Yeah, you know, if it's that rainy weather, it's like I said, it it won't be super high scoring. But, I I mean, it will be. I think the Dukes will still get over 30, even if it's it's a rainy day on the ground. But um, I really – I think that that 22 is pretty generous. I I could see a good 28, 30-point win for for JMU this this upcoming weekend. Which, you know, I think for the Bobcats, if they really want to have some hope – I'm not obviously not at someone for moral victories, but if they can make it competitive and maybe even beat – that 22 and a half, you know, beat the spread, then, then I think that would be a good sign for them going forward. But if, if they get run out of the stadium again for a third time this year, there are other two losses they have. I think that's a, a pretty bad sign going forward for them. Great teams cover. Great teams cover. Well, remember the last time you played a, a East team, that was FIU. You guys pretty much took them to the house. So if you just kind of put on the goggles and look at JMU as just FIU, then maybe 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 the Bobcats come away. There, you know, I think JMU is a little different. <laughs> oh, okay, Florida right. National, just slightly. You're just pumping that. up Shane. Shane becomes completely egotistical when he gets this t- type of feedback. So we're just going to have to back off a little bit on that. Yeah, because hey. I have a lot to do with it. Yeah. The other difference <laughs> yeah. will be that I will not be there Saturday to to cheer on the Bobcats. 
Oh, the boob cats. Huh? I've seen you call them that before. See, that's how you get the rivalry going. You just keep throwing that out there. Trying to stoke it up a little bit because I tell you what, the, the fans of San Marcos, very chill, except the moments when they're not. Then they kind of, they, the, 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 the atoms start vibrating and they're ready to start choking people. But for the most part, it just seems like everybody goes with the flow in San Marcos. And uh, so with Arkansas State not having a real rival, you know, like a geographic rival, I've been trying to get that Texas State, Arkansas State rivalry to to sort of flame up by casting as many unnecessary insults as possible. I don't know if it's working. Maybe you can help me out with that. Maybe you and I could stage like a, a, a sort of Twitter fight where we, we, we just get really insulting with each other. Like, I've always wanted to do this. Like, I've always wanted to hire a stuntman to attack me at a bar with me and my wife. And I just, like, throw him through a window. And I would look really cool. That's what we could do. You and I could do that and get this rivalry going. You know, I, I, I my editors would hate me if I did that. So, I, I, but I tell you what, I know a few few crazies on Twitter that. Oh, no, please, no, don't throw me to the crazies because I'm not. I, I there's some there's some of the Bobcat faithful that would go toe to toe with you, no doubt about it. But I'm for it. I really think. I mean, you, that game. What was it? 48-45 two years ago. That was a, in 2020. That was a great game. And I mean, I, I just, I think what it really is, is it, it's hard to get the Bobcat fans to come back at you because they've just been so beaten down that they don't feel, they don't feel adequate enough to come, to come like throw barbs at other teams. You know, they're too busy throwing barbs at their own coach and their own team and, and everything. But once you, once the Bobcats get to a competitive season, I think you'll, you'll start to see more confident Tech State fans. And that's when we can get that rivalry born. Well, we play so late in the year usually, too. Mm -hmm. It's like it's all settled by then. You know, the Bobcats have had a bad season. Or Arkansas State's had a bad season. And, and there doesn't seem to be anything on the line. I am hoping that by the time we meet Texas State, I think we meet November, there'll be like maybe a bowl placement on the line. Or or maybe we're both fighting for the Sun Belt West. Who knows? It, it, there has to be something, some juice. To get it going. Sun, Sun Belt West on the line would be something. If that's how it shakes out, I mean. <laughs> it won't be hat. the Warhawks. We can all agree. <laughs> the Warhawks aren't going to be there. Hey, they might. Hey, you don't know, man. You don't know. I mean, that was. We'll, that was, we'll see you for this weekend there, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeff, we thank you so much for joining us. Tell everybody how they can check out your great podcast and the great work that you do. Sure. Yeah, you can check me out at, at win now or get bent on Twitter. That's Great the podcast title. Thank you. My Twitter is at Kef underscore C. Um, you know, you can find the podcast, Apple, Spotify, all that. And my, I write articles for the Austin American Statesman as well. You can find it on their website. But appreciate y'all letting me come on. This is great. I've been listening to the podcast for a little bit. It was, it was good to get on here and, and chat it up with you guys. Well, come on anytime and we'll talk a little bit about that Bobcat A-State rivalry. Let's do it. Let's get it cooking. We'll do it. I'm going to send a crazy your way. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> Jeremy, all the talk of uh -huh. the gridiron. Yeah. It's also basketball season. I've been hearing the shoes squeaking, balls dribbling. It's almost here. It's almost it's almost March Madness. Yeah, here's the funny thing about you know college basketball season. It, it it's like it it starts up kind of clandestinely, like like it sneaks up. Like you get all the rigmarole of football. Meanwhile, the guys are in the gym, they're practicing, they're or bounce passes, layups, and, and whatever they were going to practice. And then suddenly it's here. 
And you're like, oh shit, we got to get ready for the basketball season. <laughs> yeah. And, and our guest coming in today as we kick yeah. off our basketball previews, uh-huh. the head Warhawk himself, head coach Keith Richard. Welcome in there, coach. Uh, glad to be here, guys. Uh, as Jeremy said, uh, the balls are bouncing right now. I know not many people are listening, but they're bouncing. And, uh, you know, we uh, we got started yesterday with our, our first official day. And like many teams across the country, you know, this sometime this week, pretty much everybody will be starting. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you look up in a month or so from now, a little over a month, we'll be, uh, you know, throwing it up for real. So, uh, you know, that's what it is. You know, Coach, you say that uh, it's early and maybe nobody's listening. But I tell you right, at, at, at Arkansas State at least, I can't say that, but I don't know about – I can't speak for all campuses. I know the grousing has begun. <laughs> Do you hear any, like, grousing from the fan base wanting to see more wins? Well, I mean, I think you always have that on, on pretty much any fan base when when you don't win as much as you like have liked through the year before and, and that type thing. So uh, I don't, I don't think that's, you know, abnormal at all. I mean, it's just, you know, we're in this day and time, uh, you know, everybody wants to win all the time and I get it, you know, and, and, and then you got schools, you know, uh, like ours, like y'all that uh, I mean, just dependent on winning, you need, you need winning to grow and do, do more and, you know, I get it. And uh, uh, so, you know, I don't hear any more or less. It's about the same. So, Coach, this year you have a lot of your players still coming back. But you got a guy that I know you're excited about, I'm excited about, Jalen Bolden at the point guard position. Tell me what you've seen out of him early on, and, and is he really going to be as big as we collectively think he's going to be? Well, I think, you know, you're probably putting a little – a little bit going too fast with him a little bit in that, you know, he's still a freshman and, uh, you know, it, it takes a special, special player. I mean, I had Paul Millsap at Louisiana tech. He was pretty special as a freshman. He led the country in, in rebounding as a freshman. And, uh, I had Nick Coppola here, uh, as a true point guard oh, back in 2014, I guess. And, he ended up being our point guard for four years and, you know, never came off the court. And, and, uh, and, you know, I have numerous, uh, numerous examples, but it's not the norm. Usually freshmen have to blend in usually and, and see how long it takes for them to get used to everything and, and that type thing. And uh, some, you know, uh, some translate real quickly. Uh, some takes a little more months, some takes, you know, a year. I will say this about Jalen, since you mentioned him, a couple of things. We're very, very excited about Jalen. Uh, that was a good high school get for us, uh, I believe. Uh, the thing that I think that what's what he's shown through the summer and even here in the preseason, he's got a sunbelt body. He, he He's sunbelt built kind of already. Usually I get freshmen, I got to build them up, you know, and <laughs> get them in the weight room and that. And he's come in – with that body already that's helped him early on the strength of the game. And, and, uh, and so, you know, all the other things will, will come sooner or later. And, you know, he's had some good days and, and some, uh, some tough days, 
but not with his body, not with his toughness, not with his rebounding, not with his aggressive play. He's an aggressive player. And uh, we liked all that about him. And so, you know, uh, we'll just see how it goes, you know, from, from the get-go. Uh, but I know that we, we like him. I really thought it was a really good get for us. And, and I think that today as we start official practice. Uh, Coach, I remember last year, you guys wore us out with this guy named Nika. I, I can never pronounce his name because it's too many constants. Mesta All I hope, please tell me he's gone back to Europe. He's not coming back to Louisiana. He's done playing basketball. He's doing something, something else that requires his skills. I don't want to see him again. Tell me he's not back. He's from the country of Georgia. Which is That's right. which is right next to Ukraine and Russia, right there. Yeah, know? and I let him go home this summer because he was a little worried about his parents, and you know they're they're not in it, but they're right there. Yeah, and then got a call from him this summer. He was in a panic. Georgia was fixing to draft everybody in the country. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> we got we got. And he needed a letter from the school and, and all this and that. Oh, and so he had to come back. And, uh, man, we got right on it. And, uh, you know, well, coach, got him what he needed. And he is back here. And, you know, he he's I, – I think I, – I'm really high on him. And I think he needs to have a really good year from us, from us for us. I think he's very capable of having a very good year for us. And, well, he's uh, awfully capable of nailing a three-pointer to seal the deal. That's for he, he sure. Had a, he had a big day in practice uh, uh, yesterday. I mean, big day. Kind of the first one since he's been back. I mean, big day. And one where you go, whoa, that's a that's an all-conference player, you know. And and so we're counting on him a lot, you know. And he, he's such an unselfish kid. I usually have to talk, calm guys down from being selfish. I'm having to push him. I need him to be a little more selfish and be a little more greedy because I think there's, I mean, he could be a good player. I really do think he could be an, a, an all league player. And, you know, uh, we're really counting on him. So coach, obviously at ULM been there since uh, 2010. Uh, 10. 10. See, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. The one date I didn't write down is your time at ULM. Gee whiz. I know. <laughs> Sloppy. My 13th year. 13th year here. 13th year. Yeah. But we, we we play the Wayback Machine. Your first ever coaching job, not a GA, but coaching job, was with the good old Thunder and Herd. The Herd now back in the conference, and you get to go to this year. Does that game kind of carry a little bit of meaning for you, knowing that you're going back to, to your first job? It does. Uh I went to Marshall in 1986. I was there from 86 to 89. Uh, I met my wife in college here at ULM before then. And, uh, and so she had went to junior high here in West Monroe, left in high school and moved to Charleston, West Virginia. Her daddy had got transferred. Uh, it's, it's 50 miles from Huntington. And then she came back to college at ULM. She missed all her friends from junior high and all that kind of stuff and hated West Virginia, hated Charleston, hated anything to do with West Virginia. So we made in college, you know, as you mentioned, I was a GA before all that. And, you know, we were dating all this and that. And I go to 
Huntington, West Virginia in 1986. We get married in, in 87. And I brought, she swore she'd never go back to West Virginia. So I brought her back to, to, to West Virginia, to Huntington, right down the road from where she went to high school. She had to go through that. When we left there and I came back to ULM in 89 as an assistant for Mike Vining at ULM, back with my old coach, uh, as we left there, we were married then, as we went out of the state, she said, I'm never coming back here. I'm bringing her back this year. <laughs> <laughs> Broken promises. I'm going to fly her with <laughs> us, and I'm going to bring her back to West Virginia once again. But the three years I spent there uh, were, were really kind of phenomenal, uh, Dusty. Back then, Marshall was a basketball school. And, 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 you know, it's football now and still some basketball. But back then, football hadn't got going yet. And it was just all basketball. And the three years I was there, I mean, we were averaging, you know, over 8,000 people a night, many times put 10 in there. It, it was serious. And uh, met a lot of good friends, uh, you know, people through all that, obviously, and haven't been back there in a long time. So it will be good to go back in that respect and see some of uh, the, old, the old supporters that uh, – uh, you know, were there when I was there, even though it's been a long time and there's still a few left. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to it in particular for that reason. So coach, I know you'll want the win, but your wife will be like, yeah, whatever it is, win losses on us, we're out of here quick. <laughs> you, know, you know, I was coaching back then. They didn't have an ops job. They had what you called a part-time job. That was the ops position. And it wasn't a full-time position. So I was making 12,000 a year. And I, and here's, <laughs> I sent in Holly, I sent one of our boosters on the coal lab plant, a laboratory, a coal lab uh, plant. And so I got her to hire him to hire her where she could make the money. And she made, she'd come home every night black and cold, except for the goggles she had. on. <laughs> she doesn't ever want to go back again, and, uh, but she made good money. And so uh, she had to do it. And, uh, but we had some good times there, and so it'd be neat to go back. So obviously, the the, the good tie there of Marshall. Any ties to the new schools and and other opponents that you'll have this upcoming season? Uh, no, you know, other than uh, you know James Madison, the coach, you know, was at uh, Georgia Southern. You know, Mark, I know him. We know him. Uh, Jeff Jones at Old Dominion had known him. You know, a long time. The coach at Southern Miss, I've known him a long time, and. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we used to play Southern Miss forever, you know, used to be a home and home, you know, every other year for years uh, before we kind of went our separate ways. And so uh, Jay Ladner's the coach there. So that'll be good to get that series back going again. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a monster league now, you know, as you well seen in football. And it's just going to trickle to basketball as well, 14-team league and, you know, good schools and, you know, good programs, good coaches, and uh, very, very, very competitive, no question. So with football, obviously, we know that the, the Sun Belt's one of the P5, are, are one of the best in the G5, rather. Commissioner Keith Gill really making that push to try to elevate the game of basketball. You do that with some pretty big games there, going to A&M, TCU, Tech, and Tulane. But just like Jay Walker at Louisiana Lafayette always says, the home schedule just sucks. 
why can Sunbelt schools not get those good home opponents? I know. Well, it's, it's just tough. You know, I mean, uh, you know, if you don't have buy money, okay, let's be serious. If you don't have buy money to go buy people, okay, uh, entice people to come, uh, you know, you have a very, you're starting uh, from behind the eight ball, so to speak. Uh, and, and to build your schedule, and a lot of teams in our league have this issue. You know, there's, there's a few teams uh, that are able to buy some games, but not many, you know. And so from there, when you go start building a schedule, uh, it becomes difficult because you, you're trying to get a certain number of home games. You have no buy money to do it. Oh, yeah, you want to play some good, get some good teams to come in. Uh they don't really want to play you. They want to buy some games and then go play neutrals. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big old, you know, mess of a formula that I, I don't know that fans really understand. And it's hard for me to even explain or, uh, or, or coaches like us that, you know, are at the mid-major level and uh, you're trying to put together a home schedule, an attractive home schedule. Uh, and, uh, and then, and then yet, at times with some schools and us being one of them, you, you got to bring in a little money. You try to bring in a little money for your school. You know, we're playing three buy games this year, and that's A&M, TCU, and, and, and Tulane. And so right off the bat, you're three road games uh, down before you even blink, you know, and you kind of try to go from there, you know. And so, uh, uh, you know, I know it's, uh, you know, like our schedule, it's not – it's not picture perfect in terms of uh, what everybody would like to see. But I do think this, we got 15 home games. Okay. 15 is 15. Anyway, you, you look at it. Uh, we've got some regional games uh, uh, of some of the normal teams, some Southland teams that we play. We've got uh, Jacksonville coming here in here from the A-Sun who had a good year last year. Sam Houston from the South, uh, South on the WAC, whatever they're in now. And, They've had a good year. They had a good year last year. Uh, we were uh, Louisiana Tech will be returning the game to us next year, so that'll be good. Uh, and then you just try to balance it out in there. You got three bye games. You got three non-D ones. Sorry, I got to do that to balance out them three money games. And then you just work your way from there. And sometimes it ends up, you know, what fans want. Sometimes it's not. But uh, you just do the best you can with it, especially at our level. Coach, who are the Warhawks going to miss the least? Uh, Arkansas, U, U of A, uh, UA Little Rock, or uh, or uh, uh, UTA? You know, I didn't mind going to either one of them, to be <laughs> honest with you, win or lose. And the reason is, is because it was easy drive, you know. Little Ooh, Rock yeah. was three hours yeah. from here, and, you know, UTA three and a little bit, or three whatever, you know, three yeah. forty, three three and a half, three forty-five. It was easy drives, always competitive game, regardless of the year or the coaches. You know, uh, you're gonna miss playing them. I, I, I really am. You know, and and uh, uh, you know, known all the coaches that have been at Adam at those schools, and uh, I hate to see it that uh, you know we don't they, they're not in the league anymore. Obviously, it was football and all that, uh, but. They were three, you know, good members in this school in the basketball world. 
and uh, I'm certainly going to miss them. I know it's early. Camp just started. How do you see the West and then the Sun Belt as a whole kind of shaking out this upcoming season? Well, I think that, uh, you know, you got some teams that uh, you probably think are going to be, uh, you know, just pretty good regardless. You know, Lafayette returns a lot, you know. I think they'll probably, you know, be picked with a lot of people, you know, up there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, Texas State has been good, you know, and, and they may – they may be up there, you know, uh, pick to go as well. The new people in the league, I know probably, you know, Marshall and Old Dominion are going to, you know, be up there somewhere. Uh, you know, South Alabama seems to have a great recruiting class every year. And, you know, he, he does the transfer thing pretty heavily and and has done well at, you know, in terms of getting good players. And, uh, you know, so you got to always kind of think about them. You know, and then you have maybe the rest of us, whoever we are, that a bunch of I don't know. You know, Arkansas State lost a lot, you know, uh, good players that they lost, you know, really good players. Not really sure how they done in recruiting. I hadn't paid that much much attention because uh, I've been worried about my own self. And uh, But, you know, they lost a great little post player. I mean, got my gosh, he killed us at the end of the year in the tournament, you know, just single-handedly won the game himself. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, he's just, you know, I mean, I, I'd rather just move on. Think about know, 2022, and, uh, 23. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, I don't know if we, we were a good or bad matchup for Arkansas State. We split during the regular season. They beat us in the tournament in a close game, but we weren't a good matchup for that kid. I know that. <laughs> he, 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 he in all three games. Yeah, Norchad O'Meara was a was a was a good guy to have. He's now with Miami. We wish him the best of luck. But damn, I don't like talking about it. It hurts. I know, I know, hurts it to hurts. see him go. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, you know, and they had good guards. They lost a couple of them, really good guards. And so, but you know, so then it's all about well, who did you get? You know, and and I think there's a lot of us in that boat. Uh, a lot of new guys, and remains to be seen. You know, kind of what can happen with the rest of us. And, and, uh, you know, I think that's the same thing true with us, to be honest with you. Uh, we've got eight new guys. Uh, we like them. We do. We like what we did. We wanted to get, we wanted to get a little bigger and stronger because of your guy, you know, my gosh, I mean, <laughs> and, and not just inside, which we, we think we did, but just kind of across the board. Uh, you know, just just a little bigger and stronger, and 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 uh, with the guards even as well. Uh, we've been kind of very thin the last couple of years. Now we were thin four years ago, but we were really fast and quick. The team, Dusty, that had Deshaun Smith and uh, Mike Earl and Tyreek White, JD Wibbs. That team, that team was thin, but we were fast and quick and could score. Really good offensive team, and. Uh, which is what you got to be, and very athletic if you're really thin. The last couple of years, we've been thin and not like that, not as fast, not as athletic, you know, and and uh, uh, just overall it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, kind of where we needed to be in terms of the, of, of the league. And uh, we played hard, competitive, lost a lot of close games and all that, but we tried to change it this year and – just get a little bigger and stronger across the board. And that sticks out to me as we 
have practiced is that, you know, we're not as thin as we were and we're not as in all spots, really, uh, just across the board. It looks like a, a, a bigger and stronger team. And, and so I'm hoping that really helps us in the league play. Coach, we teased your appearance on the podcast with a picture from your, your, your retro days of wearing the NLU gold uniform. Why is baseball the only sport where the coach wears the uniform? And, and will you be the one to break that trend? <laughs> if they try to make us go back to suit and ties, I'm busting out with it. All right. I'm going to set a new trend with that, with that uniform. But that was my senior year uniform in 1982, 81, 82, which I had in a, up in an attic somewhere. And I wore that on the very first day of my first practice of the very first year I came back here. And it still fit. It did at the time. I don't know if it will today. And, uh, but I thought it just, it was, you know, poetic that I was coming back to coach my alma mater and, and that was my senior uniform and the kids got a kick real kick out of it. And, you know, if you notice they got the, the short sharks were back in back then. Well, they're coming back now. Yeah. <laughs> it's Everybody's coming back. Leg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and uh, uh, so you know, if I hang around a little bit longer, maybe maybe that one of those guys can wear my shorts or something. I don't know, but uh, we probably won't see that again unless they force me, or if we have to go back to suit and ties. Coach, we thank you for your time. The preview of the Warhawks. Wish you the best of luck this upcoming season. Looking forward to seeing you in the postseason again, and also in Pensacola to try to get that Sun Belt Conference title. Appreciate what you guys do. And the only thing I want to say to Jeremy is that these Warhawks are hot now. If you noticed last Saturday, now we hot now. <laughs> I know you're hot. Hey, I, don't, I was I don't at that game, and I'm going to tell you, I was impressed <laughs> now. We, 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 uh, we got a chance. So we'll I don't want happens. any more hot teams in the Sun Belt <laughs> West. You guys can move out east. I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, okay, Coach. Guys. Thanks, Coach. Okay. Yeah, Coach R coming in with the heat, coming in with the fire. You know what? I don't blame him. You know, I thought the Warhawks had a really good team last year. Didn't, you know, like didn't have a storied season like some of the other teams did, but I feel like the building blocks for a program is there. And, and Coach R was a great interview. Thank you so much for him being on the show. But you know what it's time for, Shane? I think it's second and short. Second and short. Now, you know the rules. We have two minutes to discuss the, uh, the, uh, the, the upcoming games. This time it's week five. I think week five is, 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 is a week where there's a lot of get well games. You know, games for programs that are playing uh, FCS programs, and maybe they kind of need that respite. But there's also some opportunities for revenge, and we'll talk a little bit about that, too, in a second. I am going to put up my schedule so we can have everything ready, and I will start with our first game. Georgia State at Army, 11 a.m. on the CBS network. Georgia State got beat by Army at the beginning of the year last season. After feeling pretty good, they thought they were going to have this great season. Didn't work out to start the year with the Army. What do you guys think happens with that game? I'm going to start off with Shane Nessler. Well, we have the common opponent to go by in Coastal uh-huh. Carolina. Yeah. And Coastal handled both of these teams relatively easily. 
<laughs> Although I do think, you know, Coastal was cruising before Grayson McCall got hurt in that Georgia State game. I, I'm going to expect a close one in this. And looking at the line, yeah, Army's favored by a touchdown or so. That sounds about right to me. But I do think Georgia State has a chance to finally get that win. And maybe they know this might be one of the most easy opportunities to get that win they're going to see for a while. Maybe they come out ready to play after you know, it's been a really disappointing start the season for them. I'm kind of giving up on Georgia State for the time being. I need to see something. Tibbs, am I wrong to be giving up on Georgia State? Go Army, beat Panthers. <laughs> I, I, yes, as a part of the military family, I understand why you have an affinity for Army, but I need more solid analysis from you, Tibbs. That's all I got for you. The Army is going to murder the Panthers. <laughs> And is it because the Panthers just doesn't seem to have anything on defense? I mean, let's face it. Coastal Carolina clowned that defense. What is going on with the Panthers? I thought they were supposed to be somebody in the East. Yeah, explain. You got to think this is their breaking point where, where they're about to just kind of write the season off. Things just haven't gone well for the Panthers. I think this is just another nail in the coffin. I mean, you got to go all the way upstate New York. It's getting cold. Southern guys don't like the cold. <laughs> Army's just going to roll, guys. Uh, Coach Sean Elliott in his uh, presser on Monday seemed pretty positive, but I don't know. So Vegas Maybe. says seven and a half. What do you think, Shane? You said earlier you thought that looked right. I think that's going to be fairly close, but yeah, I'm not sold on. Uh, I'm not really sold on. Georgia State covering or winning outright in this one. All right. Time is up, which means we got another great game to discuss. This game, we've discussed already with our guests. Uh, we've, we've sort of discussed it amongst ourselves for a little bit. But now we're going to discuss it officially on second and short. Texas State at James Madison, 1230 at ESPN+. Plus. Shane, come on. Give me your most honest opinion on this. My honest opinion is I didn't expect to see JMU as a 20-point or more favorite <laughs> in a Sunbelt game this year going in. But this seems fairly close. I, three, winning by more than three touchdowns could be a lot. But, you know, if JMU gets rolling, if keeps the crowd behind them, you know, it might be very difficult for Texas State to score on JMU's defense from what the Dukes have shown so far this year. Given up less than 100 yards rushing total this season. It, it's been pretty incredible showing from the defense. Tibbs, it's 22 and a half points. Just a big old slap in the face to the Boob Cats. That's a lot of points, but I think that the odds makers are looking at the fact that JMU just went in and beat App State. Really shut them down for the entire second half. Yeah. I think it's closer than 21. I, I do think the Dukes get the win, but I do think it's closer than that. So what you're saying, Tim, is that you don't take the points? No. I I, I think it's a 10-point game. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to take those points. I, I, is, James Ma- Shane, is James Madison a high-scoring team, or are they more of a defense? They've put up points this year. Yeah. Um, you know, even... Even against Appalachian State, you know, they got into the 30s. Um, but, I mean, it's been the defense that's been the most impressive this year. But it's, I, I say that, but it really has been both sides of the ball. They've been, I mean, there's just no way around it. JMU's been really impressive so far. 
maybe, Shane, it's, how, maybe it's a fluke, but so far, it's hard to deny him. Shane, how cocky right now is Kirk Signetti? You know, he, he kind of came into Sunbelt Media Days a little, you know, put out that they were ranked so low. How's his confidence now? I mean, he's always got a little bit of that, like, cocky <laughs> edge to them, but, you know, it, it's a different, totally different situation this time around. You know, he's trying to keep them focused after a big win rather than playing the underdog card. All right, now we get to some, some a couple games uh, for programs that started the season. Extremely hot, guys. I mean, so hot you could not touch them. They, they, they seem like to be not just the darlings of the Sun Belt, but the darlings of college football. The first, the Citadel at Appalachian State, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Shane, your, 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 uh, your Dukes just pretty much destroyed uh, Appalachian State's will to live. Will they have anything for the Citadel? Uh, yes. This will be, <laughs> this will be one, one where finally Appalachian State fans can relax in the fourth quarter <laughs> as opposed to all the uh, games that they've played that have been decided by four points or less so far this season. Yeah, they're going to crush the Citadel. They're going to take out their frustrations on the Citadel. There's still an old rivalry between App State and the Citadel going back to the FCS Ooh. days. It's yeah, App State's gonna gonna work some things out this week. I think. Tips? Do you think maybe like, we kind of hinted at it? Is are are there problems in Boone? Is, I know they got the big win against number six Texas A&M, but then they they struggle against. Uh, uh, oh, who they struggle against? Um, Troy. Troy. Oh yeah, they struggle against Troy. Need a hail mary to win that game. Troy, for all intents and purposes, won that game. Then they get beat by uh, James Madison, a newbie to the conference. Is there something going on at Appalachian State? I think that they were just kind of caught being complacent, going through the motions, thinking that they could just sleepwalk through games. I think though, when the Citadel come in with that powder blue, they're going to have some PTSD of the North Carolina game and ensure that they put up 60 points quickly against that powder blue team to get the win. <laughs> I'm kind of in the same uh, thought pattern as you are. But I, I feel like uh, Appalachian State needs a punching bag and the four Citadel decks are going to be the guys that absorb it. I'm going to call this one early and get to the next game. So uh, we talked about the problem, the mighty problems of Appalachian State, but a team that I feel like is struggling even more mightily is Marshall. They get Gardner Webb, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Shane, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but what is going on with the herd? What I hear a lot complaint-wise from Marshall fans right now is about the offensive line. Mm. I'm just not getting the job done, um, which is a little surprising, you know, especially as good as their running game looked in the first couple weeks of the season. But um, I don't know if they're having – health issues or what I haven't looked too closely into it to be honest with you because I've been focused on some of the other other games other teams but <clears throat> it does you know another situation where they should be able to work some things out this week if they don't then we really got to wonder what's going on in Huntington you know Troy's offense didn't even score a touchdown in that game it was 16 to 7 I think the defense scored a pick six and then it was uh, nothing but but uh field goals uh, for uh, for Troy after that. Does Gardner Webb get a Marshall team that uh, might be beatable, uh, Tibbs? Easily. I think that they are, and I think that this is our 
cheek clenching moment of having that FCS streak, winning streak for the Sun Belt, possibly putting jeopardy. I feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, you saw what they did against Coastal. Now, don't get me wrong, I think Coastal was kind of sandbagging us early on in the schedule. Yeah, rope it open. But they were still right there uh, with the shots all the way through the end of the game. I am going to call this one a little bit early because this next game is a lot more interesting. Georgia Southern at Coastal Carolina, 3 p.m. ESPN Plus. The Eagles kind of, you know, kind of played toe-to-toe with Ball State through the fourth quarter and then blew them out. Coastal Carolina destroyed Georgia State. This looks like a good game to me. Am I crazy? I think it's the best game of the weekend. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. Yeah, because Georgia Southern responded pretty well to their first loss. Coastal was looking a little bit more like what we expected from Coastal last week in Georgia State. Is that because Georgia State's done? Is Georgia State just totally cooked and you know, Coastal was able to kind of take advantage of that? Or are we going to see that passing game from them that you know, Grayson McCall was throwing it all over the place in the first half? Yeah, you know, Georgia Southern has their own Grayson McCall and Kyle Van Deese. That's going to be a really great matchup. You think it's one? You think it's the best game of the week? Explain why, kids. Two great quarterbacks, two great offenses, defenses that are just good enough to hold the others in check. But I think we're going to see a high-scoring game, and the team with the, the ball at the end of the game wins. Yeah, and, and what a statement game that would be for Clay Helton and the Eagles to come away with a, a, a win at Coastal Carolina, who, by the way, never seems to, to leave Conway. I don't know how they do it. They have, they must have magic scheduling. It's just awesome that they can stay in Conway. But, you know, we saw um, McCall get a little dinged up at the end of, of that game against Georgia State. Is he going to be okay? I haven't heard anything too concerning as far as that. It sounds like he's going to be ready, ready to go, but... Um, they do need him. They looked like a different team without him against Georgia State. They were able to hang on and, you know, did get one touchdown with the backup quarterback. But, you know, they need Grayson McCall the rest of the season. I had forgotten to start the timer. I was so excited to talk about this game. I'm going to call it now and go on to the next game, which in a lot of ways, Tibbs, I find that this game just as fast. South Alabama at Louisiana. 4 p.m. ESPN Plus. South Alabama just looks really good. Louisiana, on the other hand, doesn't look so good. What's your analysis on this, Tibbs? I mean, I watched the Cajuns two weeks in a row. Watched them lose the streak at Rice, lose this past week at ULM. Yeah. I'll say this. The consistency of the Cajuns' defense, though, the defense is there. It's all about that offense and whether or not Chandler Fields and that offensive line, the run game of Chris Smith, can get the Cajuns back into the end zone. They just haven't been able to move the ball or to score enough points to literally beat their opponent. You don't score, you don't win. Cajuns were held to just 88 rushing yards against the Warhawks. That is just not Cajun football. That is crazy. Meanwhile, South Alabama just kind of putting on the people. What do you think of South Alabama, Shane? I've been impressed by them. You know, they yeah. should be they should be undefeated with a win on the West Coast at UCLA. There's no excuse for them not to be right now. Um, 
But luckily for them, that game doesn't really matter too much in the long run because they can win the West. I, I really think they could win the West and be playing in the Sun Belt Championship game later this season. How good has Carter Bradley been for South Alabama? I mean, I think he's got 1,100 yards already, 10 touchdowns. He's kind of that strong-armed quarterback that they've always wanted. Uh, he's suddenly kind of on the top, you know, echelon of Sunbelt quarterbacks, and he's what came in under the radar. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just how deep this league is at quarterback, <laughs> it's amazing, and he's he's one of them. You look at guys who are ranked highly in multiple statistical categories nationally, he's up there with, you know, the Grayson McCall's, Todd and everything. He's one of the names you see frequently when you start clicking on those stat pages. It's, been a really great start to season for him. Yeah, that's funny, Shane, because in my preseason preview of the Sun Belt, I really thought that quarterback was the weakness of the Sun Belt, that there are a lot of new faces, a lot of untried guys. Turns out there's a lot of great quarterback play. The power right, of the well, governor. <laughs> and Kay Womack may be the most confident guy going, uh, go, going right now. Maybe even as confident as Coach Zagetti. Guys, when do we get rid of Liberty? Liberty at Old Dominion, 5 p.m. ESPN Plus. Shane, we'll go see how that game. That should be very interesting. Liberty is extremely physical up front. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, it's an intense game. Everybody in Virginia that's not a Liberty fan hates Liberty. And, <laughs> I mean, just that's just the honest truth of it, you know. And you know, it's going to be, you know, pretty another pretty wild sold-out crowd in Norfolk and you know I think ODU seems to take advantage of that atmosphere when they have it and I think that's going to be big for them this week but you know Liberty seems to be getting better and better and maybe we dock them too many points for going to overtime with Southern Miss when Southern Miss doesn't look too bad these days. That's good analysis. You know, Hugh Freeze, he's going to figure out that defense. Old Dominion, seven sacks, 13 TFL, and a pick six against Arkansas State. That defense is for real. Tibbs, the Flames are a one-and-a-half-point one point favorite. What, what does that even mean to you? To quote our, our former show guest, Jake Crane, nobody plays harder than somebody that's playing for the afterlife. <laughs> I think Liberty comes in playing hard, but I like the Monarchs and good old Hudson to take a bite out of Liberty. Anytime it's a pick em like that, Tibbs, I just go with the home team. I feel like that the home team has the home advantage and they're going to just win the game. So I, I, I got to go with ODU and the Sun Belt. Uh, I, I feel like the flames go down in flames, but you freeze has fooled me in the past. When did he fool you? Oh, that's right. When he was your coach. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, you know what? I, 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 I barely even want to talk about this game because I'm afraid I'm going to just ULM and Arkansas State, 6 p.m. ESPN Plus. Warhawks coming off a huge win against the Cajuns. Arkansas State loses its second lead in the fourth quarter in a row. What do you see out of this game, Tibbs? Hell to the Chief till the Chief falls. Warhawks haven't won in Jonesboro since the inaugural year of the Sunbelt Conference. I don't see why it changes this year. I would love to be wrong, but I think the Red Wolves get another close win. You know, what is funny about 
that rivalry is just really just turned into an offensive slobber knocker. It's like there, there's really no defense that's played in these games. But you're right, ULM hasn't won uh, or beaten Arkansas State since 2009. And as you said earlier, has not won in Jonesboro since 2001. Arkansas State really needs a win. And this is probably a good time for it. I, it it's homecoming. It's a, 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 an opponent that we have some history with. Arkansas State is a seven and a half point favorite. I feel like they're finally going to figure out how to win in the fourth quarter. I know that the Warhawks bring in some pretty good defense. They, 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 they shut down that Cajun's offense in a way that I've never seen the Cajuns shut down in recent history. Shane, I know that you vowed to be quiet during this one because it's, it's me and Tibbs and we're supposed to be mad. We're not mad. We're just we're just good old fashioned rivals. Shane, give us some perspective from this. What do you think of this game? I'm leaning ULM a little bit because they've shown Ooh. they can they can win the close game, and Arkansas Ooh. State has struggled to finish those out. Yeah. All right, you know what? That makes sense because ULM was down, came back to beat the Cajuns. Arkansas State playing the opposite way. What do you well, think about that, Tim? Do you like that analysis? Not at all, because head coach Terry Bowden and the Warhawks have not won at least the past three years on the road. No road wins. They do. You just don't know when. Last game on the docket. And I, I can't tell if it's going to be a game that's going to surpass a 1,000 points or not. Only because Troy's defense is so stout, but Western Kentucky's offense is just so powerful. Troy at West- <laughs> No, they don't even need that. Troy at Western Kentucky, 6 p.m. ESPN Plus. Tibbs, what are we going to see out of this game? Is it going to be great defense, or is it just going to be murderous offense? I would like to think that the Troy defense keeps the Hilltoppers in check while Gunnar Watson and company that you don't believe in goes to work and, and, and finds the end zone several times. But I, I just don't know. I mean, I think this is a good road game for the Trojans, but it's a game that I think is very winnable for them. I think that the defense just has to really play within themselves and be able to make the key stops. I mean, I know that's kind of cliche coach talk, but I think yeah, that that's never truer than ever in this game. Yeah, you really got cliche city there, but you're absolutely right. You know, here's the thing. Austin Reed, quarterback for the Hilltoppers, 1,200 yards and 14 TDs already. They they annihilated FIU 73-0. to That should be illegal. Somebody should be in jail for that. Shane, what do you see from this game? I honestly have no clue how it's going to go, but I see it as a a big game for Troy, a big game for the Sun Belt. Because Western Kentucky looks pretty good so far, Troy has too. I think you know Troy has something to prove here, and you know can make up for that devastating loss at App State maybe by getting a good win this time. You know, I feel the, the same way about this game as I did about Southern Miss versus Tulane. I felt like Southern Miss was going to get outclassed by Tulane, and I was wrong. So I could be very wrong about my feelings with uh, Troy versus Western Kentucky. Kentucky, uh, Western Kentucky is a six-point favorite. Personally, I think I, 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 I take Western Kentucky to win that game outright. But, man, I was so wrong about Southern Miss, who, by the way, is taking the week off. 
this can go either way. And that concludes Second and Short. And now it's time for plugs, promos, and parting shots. Jeremy, fire Oh, I get to go first for that? Okay, I I would love to. All right, so there's sort of a thing going on at Arkansas State where uh, the Student Association is trying to drum up uh, a sing-along song for the fans to sing, you know, something that everybody like in the third quarter can get up and start singing to. The words would be up on the Jumbotron. And they've picked four songs and, and you know, one of them's like Hungry Like the Wolf and another one's a Black Keys song. And then you've got uh, a Garth Brooks song, which I cannot stand, Friends in Low Places. It's, it's killing me. So I've come up with an alternative, guys. And I want you to support this, maybe not with your words, but maybe in your hearts. Instead of any of those songs, we sing Nights in White Satin, just the whole thing. And then, you know, that poem that drops at the end of Nights in White Satin, if you listen to the whole thing, Butch Jones comes out center field with a microphone and does a dramatic reading of the poem. Would that not freak out the opponent? Would you not... If you saw that witness that, that that wouldn't you think you had joined a cult? You'd want to run screaming. You wouldn't want to play football. This is genius on my part, and I want you guys to acknowledge it as such. You know how everybody got mad at Shane Beamer for trying to run people <laughs> off the field? Yeah. Nobody would be upset with the visiting coaches in Jonesboro if they were doing <laughs> that in that case. <laughs> They'd all be on their side. <laughs> Okay. If they're screaming oh. at Butch to get off the field, I think I think we'll, <laughs> we'll all be in agreement. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, fine. Then my plug is readhowraiser.com, and you can enjoy my penetrating analysis there. Shane, what do you have? Um, do a quick plug. Website is coming slower than we anticipated, but there's going to be a Sunbelt Extra website from the DNR, the Daily News Record. Go to dnronline.com now, and you can get signed up for the newsletter. Get those stories in there every day, or in your in your inbox every week, and then I'll direct you to the website when it's ready to go. But now, will we be receiving Shane Melton scoops from the newsletter? Yes, and people who like. People who like this podcast will like the website. I can promise you that. All right. Shane Metlin scoops on the, on the newsletter. I'm all in for it. Does that mean we have to start writing also, Shane? If you want, we can put you to work. <laughs> I got to break out the typewriter. Warhawk report, fresh back from Monroe and watching the Warhawks go 1-0 in Sunbelt Conference play. It's an exciting time on the Bayou. AD search is well underway. We'll be having some inside information on that. Meeting with President Dr. Ron Berry later this week for a subscriber exclusive. And just looking forward to another fun-filled week of Sunbelt Conference football. I think that wraps it up beautifully, Tibbs. Very poetic. Almost as poetic as Knights and White's dad. For the winners of the Arkansas State ULM game, this is Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report. Loser of the Arkansas State ULM game is Jeremy Harper of Howraiser. Okay. And mediary of all that is fighting amongst the Fun Belt podcast staff is Shane Milton of the Daily News Record. And we'll see you again next week.